and then laughter. Well, it's a cash cock, baby. <laughs> hear the trippy music you know what time it is it's two o'clock here at mutiny radio oh and it's time it's time to talk to our special guest jw blunt who's got a show coming up this week but you're listening right now to some call me tim yeah there we go i actually timed it out right I'm really excited. I have artist, musician, uh, all around interesting guy to talk to. J.W. Blunt in the house, earring maker. What else? What do, what don't you do? Yeah, you know, does I like to do a lot of things all at the same time because I get I get really bored. You get yeah. So you wow. Yeah. So you make the, the I, I'm wearing the earrings. I've been getting a, a lot of compliments on them. They're they're guitar pick earrings. And uh, people have been saying like, oh, those are cute. And that everyone thinks I play guitar. And I'm like, nope, nope, sing a little karaoke, but just uh, just hanging out with musicians. Uh, so we met on the patio of Benders, the most miraculous place in the world. And you have a show coming up this Sunday? This Sunday at the Hotel Utah. Such a cool venue. Yeah, the doors open at 6 p.m. They got impossible burgers for all those vegans out there. The Possible Burger is weird, too. It tastes like meat. It does. I've had one. And we thought about having them at Bender's, but then we just decided, like, nah, we make a good veggie patty. Fuck it. it but it's, like, made of coconut husk or something weird. I don't know. Go get one. Yeah, Possible yeah. Burger. Yeah. But Hotel Utah is a beautiful, beautiful space. They have an amazing... I love their stage, that double-story stage, and it's, like, they've got the ship boat on the outside, and you feel like you're, like going into a ship and they've got like the mermaid up there and it's all it's like i had a really gross period like on the back of the wall coming down <laughs> that red background anyways i love hotel utah yeah and there was the last show that i was there there were some folks at the top that were blowing bubbles onto the stage oh uh, that's nice psychedelic very fun uh so tell us about well first so this is this show is called some call me tim and usually you look deep into the eyes of sparkle jesus and i ask you do you believe in jesus Oh, do I? Yeah, just um, that's just how we start the show well, usually. Yeah, so you know, my my whole thing was was interesting growing up because I had you know an aunt on one side that was a nun. Oh, <gasps> really? And then, yeah, so I got a 96 year old nun in the family. Wow. Um, on my my dad's side and my mom's side, my my mom's dad was a Jew, Jewish. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I grew, I grew up a Catholic Jew. Wow. Um, which is we did both. Um, holidays. So you did like, you like no Baruchatan and Malkalam, you know, the whole, you know, the whole prayers, you know, like the Vetsi Vanu stuff and the, the lighting of the stuff and the challah bread and all the, oh, the whole deal. So, kind of a little bit, not, not, not really. You consider yourself, yeah. but you, so you were raised more Catholic. So the Catholics were like, we want you to be more Catholic than Jewy. To be honest with you, I feel like it was a little bit of an identity crisis. I was like, Am I, you know, so it was somewhere maybe in the middle. Did, were you baptized? Were you baptized? Were you no. christened? Wow. So, and did you do the thing where you dressed in white and you like walk down the thing when you're like seven or eight? What's that called? What's that called? What that's called. See- that tells you how. how yeah. yeah. They do a thing when you're seven or eight where you wear white and you do some special shit and you walk down in front of the church and something happens. It's, I, I wasn't Catholic, but I was always like, those are interesting rituals. 
and, and Jews have a lot of rituals too so actually being a Catholic Jew kind of makes sense because there's heavy ritual in both yeah yeah, yeah so my, my grandfather my mom's side was um, really big in the scrap metal like collecting scrap metal or for a living like uh, like for a living for both I know he was always really passionate about it but uh yeah was he in the depression um no so it was back in the the 70s and 80s so they, they but did bought... he grow up in the depression because like scrap metal yeah you know what is that <laughs> I, I that's a good question you know what I think was always kind of interesting you know because doing the trash once a week we're paying people to take our trash so they can make money on it, at least right. cycles. Right. So, I mean, you're thinking about the scrap metal, you know, and I don't know, I don't know enough about the industry. Sure. Um, uh, but you think about all this, uh, the scrap metal, a lot of people, this is thrown away. Yeah, yeah. We're just, well, we, we're not recycling or it or what, you send it to China? What do we do? Wow, that'd be nice. <laughs> to... um, okay, cool. So, gram- Grandpa was a Jew. Grandma was a Catholic. You had an identity crisis with what? What do you consider yourself now? Are you religious in any way, or you're just like I'm a musician? I don't know. You know what it is? I'm really, you know, I'm a, I'm a true artist, a genuinely good person, out for the best interest in the universe. Wow. I like high energy rock and roll. Um, that's kind of more what I was raised on. But so favorite bands growing up. Uh, my I was raised on Aerosmith and ZZ Top, wow. but my favorite band of all time is Led Zeppelin. Oh, wow, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Living, loving. Yeah. Uh, my stripper song is my pole dancing song would be. There's a Led Zeppelin song. The. Um, Immigrant song? It's a, I, and I should remember because it, no. it's, um, it's, it's a really, it's, I can't even remember right now. I drank too much last night. My brain, that's the shit with alcohol is like, it's legal, but it, it, it fucks with like all kinds of parts of your body. It's not just like, I don't know. I just like, it makes me kind of dumb. So I can't remember. The, the not Aer- but I did love Aerosmith when I was growing up. They were some of the first um, MTV videos I saw. Were by Aerosmith, "Love in an Elevator," "Living It Up," "You're Going Down," which is like, I can't believe my church didn't break that down. <laughs> did you ever get the? Was it "Toys in the Attic" album? Probably. I I we were more of U2 fans, but I listened to a lot. Aerosmith got to be like top forty. Like that was just like what was played everywhere, right? Like yeah. with you, Madonna and and Aerosmith were like side by side in the '80s. I felt like like it was just like this is the pop music. But is there rock pop music now? Like, what's rock like, like rock pop? Rock pop. There's definitely you know a lot of um, pop around um, in in the Bay Area. Um, you know. There's a the band, a local band called Nalamora. Oh. Um, they're like really pop and, and punk, and they're the peace love party band. Oh. And um, it's just a uh, yeah, it's really great. There's a lot of different influences too, so it's like it's definitely you know some pop in there. So. What would you call what would you call your music now? You said you used to do high energy rock, but now what would you call your solo action? Um, you know what? So for me, my two number one influences on guitar were. Jimi Hendrix and uh, 
Jimmy Page. Wow. And so, but the thing is, is if you have that on the acoustic, it kind of sounds, it sounds different. You know, Electric Ladyland on the acoustic sounds a little, you know. Sure. Uh, So it's, um, when you play on the guitar, I feel like I have a lot of, um, you know, I've gotten more into jazz too, so I have to incorporate some jazz. All right. But, and you're singing at the same time. Oh yeah, so. That's so hard. How do you syncopate that? Like, it's, I mean, I don't know. It's, you just do it. It's like, you, I don't know. I don't know. How, how long have you been playing music? Yeah. So, you know, as I, I picked up my, uh, first guitar when I was six years old, Wow. I had a older cousin, uh, he was about, you know, five years older than me. I was the oldest of my immediate family, but he was like my older brother. And so I thought he was the coolest. I still Hell think he's yeah. the coolest. <laughs> and so, um, I, I played a guitar. I was just like, I wanted to be like him. And the first song I learned how to play was a uh, smoke on the water. What? Oh, I think that's a pretty common one. Yeah. That's great. Fire in the sky. Yeah. It's awesome. And you're like six, six. Yeah. And you were playing smoke on the water. Wow. That's it's rad. Keep it done. It's, it, you can do well, it. No, I mean, but it's just cool that like, so you had an affinity to, you picked it up and you're like, I can do this. As a child, every time I picked up a guitar, I was like, I don't know what to do. Like it just didn't, I played piano because I was like, this makes sense to me. These are in this linear group. Like this is a note and this is a, it follows and this is a half note and this is a third. And this is, it was like, here we go. And, but it was, it was all set out. But the, the guitar is like, I mean, I guess some people find it intuitive, but it's like, how do you figure out, like, you just, your fingers like, this is where this sound comes from. And it, but the notes aren't in a line. It's like, you have to do different chords. It's crazy to me that how people. Yeah. So power chords are great. I know we met at Bender's. That's a really great. Yeah. 806 South Venice. And, you know, power chords, you could just. You could do power chords. What, just, what's a power chord? So power chords are just, um, it's like a, a major uh, chord, except you just play the top uh, three strings. But, so Zeppelin actually kind of started, you know, the whole alternative rock thing. So well, the thing is, if you distort a whole bar chord, chord, then the harmonic levels are too high. So when you distort it and you're more alternative, it just makes more sense to, it, it sounds a lot better in power chord. Huh. So, did you actually study music theory as well, or you just picked it up? You were like, I'm, pl- I'm a guitar player now, I'm six. And then you just started playing it, and you're like, this is what I do. Or did you, like, study? No, yeah, no. I kind of just picked it up and was all self-taught for the most part. Wow! Yeah. Wow. And, but, and you've been playing for, so give us, you don't have to tell us how old you are now, but just tell us how many years you've been playing for. <laughs> and oh, we could do the math that, if yeah. people remember. It was 16 years. No, wait. No, more than that. Whew, I think I'm 26 years. Oh, yeah. right. Wow. Um, and you said you were in a band previously. What What made you go out on your own? What What was the impetus to, like, I'm striking out on my own? Did the band fall apart, or were you just like, the dynamic wasn't working, or was it, why did you decide that? You yeah, so you know what it was, is that we, um, we started this band back in 2013, um, out of a, a garage in East Oakland. And this guy, you know, he's an amazing drummer. Um, his name is Royce Jones. And, uh, you know, we, we had this all set up at his place and we started writing songs and in, in this th- high energy thrash, um, rock, high energy rock band that I was sure. in, I played a uh, bass guitar. 
And so um, it was a it was a lot of fun. Uh, what ended up happening is so we we did uh, find a drummer, and he was amazingly talented. Um, his name is Brandon Freed, and uh, we got this really awesome set together, and we were rocking like Eli's Mile High Club, and. Um, we, it was just a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, so our, our drummer ended up uh, getting signed to um, Columbia Records. What? Yeah. As like an independent artist or like as a, like just drumming behind other people? Like a, as a drummer. Drummer yeah. for hire. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. And so he, for, um, was it the band called The Neighborhood? Okay. They're signed to Columbia Records. Yeah. And so that's why it broke, it broke up because someone got too successful. Yes, yeah, so what it was <laughs> is that we wanted to keep it going. Um, that's funny. And it's really you know funny because you know as a, as an artist you know and you go and you meet and you have this really solid set together. And right. Everything's perfect. Everything's like perfect. And then you go and you recruiting somebody, recruiting another drummer. So to find somebody that could play drums just like he or she does. Oh, yeah. Or, and tough. collaborate on an artistic level outside of that. Right. was just... It, you couldn't find the fit. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and it's almost like, you know, when you... If someone mounts a production of, like, The Lion King or something, but then when it goes on tour, someone else has to act... Or, like, even a better... The only thing I can think of is, like, um, in musical theater, like, Michael Crawford's, uh, you know... And they say, oh, it's Michael Crawford's, the Phantom of the Opera. And then when you have another actor that isn't Michael Crawford, they're trying to be Michael Crawford. You know, like, so it's like, yeah. instead of being authentic to the art and to the moment and to the play or the musical, they're trying to be like the person who did it a different way. So it's like a facsimile, like a simulacrum. And how do you find that when you're like, our drummer was so great. They're gone. Be like this guy. That's really hard because, you know, they might be heavy with the symbols or they have their own things and quirks and ticks. And then to try to you know, f- say like, it be like this. That's gotta be, that's gotta be tough. And drummers always spontaneously combust. That's also difficult. Yeah. No. <laughs> that's I mean, he did. Your drummer got, he just <laughs> went to Columbia records, real money. Is that, is that something you're looking for in the future? Like to make, let, to be an artist full time. Is that like, is that like the goal or you know what is uh I uh, I'm really passionate about our community here and there's definitely there's so many artists there's so many you know poets and, <laughs> and barters and there's all of these artists that are here yeah you know and I really want to just do bring it together you know I was at this art show or this photography art show last night my friend uh, Mark Lozano um, had these uh, pictures up at a uh, beer bottle brewery oh Place. And so it was this really cool vibe, you know. I mean, it's it's a dog friendly brewery. Yeah, shout out to them. They're they're right off the twenty four line uh, when it when Cortland meets the nine bus when Cortland meets Bayshore, and it's just a little like they barely walk up the hill, and there they are, and it's great, right? Bear Bottle Brewing, isn't that the place? Yes. Yeah, so they it's make right it off the twenty four. I think of bus lines. That's just how I get around. So I'll be like, take the nine bus to the twenty four, but you can you can just walk up the hill. But that place is amazing. They have a cat in that other room, so they have that big they room do. that's like vacuous, and we would be good for because it's sort of echo but then that side room is great for all kinds of other things like poetry or whatever and they have a cat in there and it's really cool like they have a brewery cat 
Yeah, I've talked to that friend. cat for a while. I'm like, I love cats. They also, it's like a barcade. So they have darts. They have, uh, you know, um, all these art and pinball machines. And there's... And your friend's photography. Yeah. Yeah. Go see it. Yeah. So, Parabotop. So that's what you did last night. And you were like, oh, I feel the community or like... Yeah. You know, there's a lot. There's a lot though. Um, they're just, you know, out there rocking in the free world. They're, they're out there, but... Yeah, we, we have a community here. I feel like, you know, the whole social media thing, you know, it's really, there's a lot of positive things. And I'm not, you know, pro-tech, but I'm not anti-tech. You know, I'm just kind of <laughs> we're somewhere in between. So, you know, we, we had this house show the other day. We invited, you know, a couple hundred people. Whoa! Um, and we found that more people that came were from actually people that we met in more of organic way. Sure. When you're getting these invites, you know, interested in that kind of thing. It's like, there's no, where's the human interaction? And so that, that's Flyers. What's been, <laughs> you know, so walking into, you know, Mark and, you know, his, his photography, you know, open mics, there's a lot of open mics around here too. Yeah. When I specifically uh, ran by the Bard of the Lower Hate. Oh, I've never heard of this one. Clyde Always. Oh, Clyde Always. Clyde always he's a he's a champion he's so funny but it's like is he a comic or a poet doesn't matter he's entertaining as fuck I love that guy I've this show the Clyde always show and and then he does the he does the best flyers he's got like crazy artists do flyers for him and uh what a talented guy yeah so I got one of his uh zines uh it's pretty cool yeah yeah it's so cool yeah, so it's just real. You know, he has the open mics. Um, they they host the open mics on Friday nights at hotel or sorry, hotel. What am I saying? Hotel Utah's you no, no, on no, Sunday. No, that's um, you on Sunday at six o'clock. Yeah, that's me on hotel, Sunday. Hotel Utah. Utah. Hotel Utah on Sunday. J W Blunt, go but see. I will be at that open mic um, at Cafe International with Clyde Always this this Friday. Oh, right on. It's a total hipster spot. I feel like it is. I've done poetry there before. It's not the best room for poetry though, because it's so vacuous and like, and with the, the, my, it's set up for music. It's like, and who wants to, I mean, come on, it's poetry, but, but still, uh, some people perform poetry still and they do a great job. Do you know that my, my favorite local band, one of them is uh, the Wyatt act. Do you know the Wyatt act? Yes, With Guinevere, 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 yeah. Don't big fucking son. deal. Yeah. She used to be a poet. That's how she and I met. Uh, at, we used to do 16th admission that still happens on Thursday nights where you just go to the 16th admission and there's like a, from 10 to midnight, it's people just perform and like, there's no microphone, but it's an open mic. And that's how I met, um, Guinevere Q's no big fucking deal many, many years ago. Like, like maybe in like 2008 or 2009, probably. So I, I made the weed cake for their wedding. Oh, that's when awesome. <laughs> they, so they got married at this woman, Caravita's house and they had an open mic at their wedding. Cause they're amazing. And I made this Neapolitan weed cake. So it was chocolate, strawberry, and vanilla. And I was like, there's, it, it wasn't that strong. I tried to make it a little bit weak, but by the end of the part, she was, their parents and stuff were like, how much weed is in here? And I was like, ah, ah, ah. this is years ago. I, I think I was like, it was, it was 0.5, you know, grams per something. And, and they're like, what does that mean? And by the end of the party, they were like old people shoving cake into their face. It was so funny. Like the whole place just default and everyone was smoking joints. They were rolling joints. It was crazy. It's pretty rock and roll. <coughs> cool people it's a cool community yeah life's a piece of cake 
Um, you should play a song for us. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so this one's the latest one. Um, it's funny, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine, um, and we were talking about how weird is the new cool, but then we're thinking, no, it's this new normal, right? Uh, weird is the new normal. I feel like you should, normal, and yeah. we're kind of just like, we've got to embrace your weirdness and who you are, you know? So. Hell yeah. J.W. Blunt, everyone here on Some Call Me Tim. Sunday at Hotel Utah. You're perfect for Hotel Utah. Like, it's the perfect space. I've got a rockin' or jammin' bass player 
Allie Jones. She, uh, yeah, so she's going to be, uh, we're going to be playing um, the, the Sad. And uh, she hosts the uh, the Bizarre Cafe open mic on Thursdays, which awesome. is awesome. So you're into the whole open mic scene. I've been wanting to have a music open mic here at Mutiny, but I just don't know any people. I just haven't known any people that... I mean, I know Guinevere Q, the Wyatt Act, has played here. Um, when we've worked with Noise Pop, they played on the street. Oh, nice. And it was great. Um, but And they they were here the night that the ABC busted us, um, the alcohol beverage control busted us uh, on the night where they were playing. And it was so funny because there were 12 people in the building, including the band, and we had beers and we had a sign that was like, give the, I mean, because they brought the beers and they were like, they're like four bucks, give us four bucks for a beer. And the ABC busted us. It was, and then they wrote a song about it. They wrote a song about they like. Did. Oh my gosh, that's what it was about. Yeah, yeah I've heard that song before. Here. That is hilarious. Don't call the cops. I yeah. love that song yeah they're one of your young son are just so freaking talented yeah breakfast i mean they're all of them i i met breakfast years ago all of them like it's just it's great that it's great that music still exists in san francisco because i i do you mentioned the tech boom in your song and i don't know how you feel about it like that is are the new influx of people eroding the art or are they having the money to support the art like it's kind of this, like, oh, they're ruining everything because they're just, like, unartistic scum yeah. or whatever. I was but- actually having that conversation with someone uh, maybe yesterday or the day before. It's just, for me personally, like, anything that I feel like other people could think of as being negative, I look at as a challenge. Mm. So there's a lot of people out there that just, you know, they're, I feel like everyone overthinks things. Right. But for me personally, if I'm going to overthink something, I would prefer to overthink the things that I want out of life and what I want out of the universe, you know? Right. Yeah. It takes the same amount of energy to be positive. It does to be negative. It takes the same amount of energy to be angry or to be stressed or to be calm. It's the same, like it's the same energy. It's just how we focus it. And then I I gotcha. Like, but, and so it's a challenge, all these new people moving in, but they have money. So that's the thing too, is like as artists, shouldn't we embrace them and be like, you're soulless monsters, but you have money and maybe you can appreciate art. Give us money. <laughs> like, I, yeah, no, I feel like... They're not soulless monsters, but sometimes I feel that way with, I don't know, people under 30 when they, when they make like, you know, over $200,000 a year, it's like, what are they even going to do with the money? Like, right. Like, I guess that's, that's what Lyft is for. And that's what you get delivered everything and everything's DoorDash or whatever. It's like, I don't know. So maybe my problem with it is that I'm, I'm seeing this divide. I'm seeing this new service economy grow and, and I'm seeing the people with money making more money. And then I I don't know. It's almost like we're the service industry is we're like leeches on. We're like, we need you. And I guess entertainment is a service. Yeah. So we're like, give us, give us your money. Appreciate our art. Come on. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to get them to, to, I think busking. Is that, oh yeah. (laughs) At Bart, do you do that? Um, you know, as I have before, I think it's really um, interesting, you know, because like being a musician and being in San Francisco and uh, being an artist is a really, you know, interesting thing. You know, I know that, you know, homelessness, it isn't a San Francisco 
just to San Francisco. It's a global thing too. Right. But with um, with the way that things are in San Francisco, if you're out in the street, I feel like in playing guitar, playing music, or you're kind of in this category, this 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 category. And I don't want to say, you know, anything. You know, it's like. If this person's playing music on the street, how are they able to live here, basically? Right. And so right. you kind of fall into that category, which is, you know, the, not very, you know, not true in all on all cases. So there's, there's, you know, we have a great group of people here. You know, yeah. I um, I was afraid. You know, we went to this house party, or sorry, no house show. Yeah. And uh, I was like, man, you know, what if you know somebody gets too, you know, drinks a little too much and falls down? I don't know. It, it wasn't that. That wasn't happening. Right. Well, um, we're not kids anymore. I feel anymore. like that's the difference between a house show and going to a dive bar to watch a friend play. Right. And by experience, I'm just not saying every everything, but it's when you're playing at someone's, playing at a house, it has this more of a organic thing. I'm not saying, you know, going to dive bars and watching bands is cool, because I'm going to Amnesia later, actually. Oh, right on. I love yeah. Amnesia. But there's something about the house shows. So I think that's how it is. The answer, I think that's one of the solutions is to instead of for the, bringing the techs and the artists together to have more house shows. Sure. And so, um, the th yeah, I mean, I was up and I'm going to talk, homeless is a really big it's, thing here. It's crazy. A, a topic of conversation. But, I, you know, I went to Venice Beach a couple months ago and I was just like, you know what, this feels a little even you were know, there more? Was there a, was there a large population? It was mainly population? the, you know, the, the Starbucks. <laughs> all the Starbucks, there's somebody living in the bathroom. Just like, oh, hey, you know, not that's even a San Francisco license. They all like to hang out at the Safeway on a, on Market. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, now that is a scene. Um, it, absolutely. Yeah. I, that, that Safeway is the sketchiest Safeway. But it's the unsafe way. It's the unsafe way. It's, it's hard. We have, um, they just did a census and we have 8,500 questionably housed people. I don't like to call them homeless because I find it stigmatizing. So I say questionably housed, but that's because I'm into pronouns or whatever. I'm just being cheeky about it. But honestly, I just came back from Portland and I was there for eight days and I saw one pile of human feces in eight days. And I was taking the bus and I was all over the city on the south side and the north end. And I was on each side of the river in Portland. And in eight days, I saw one pile of human feces. And it was funny because I was on the phone with my boyfriend and I'm like, oh, I saw my first pile of human feces. Finally, this place is, I was like, how is Portland doing it? Like, I don't, I just couldn't, I didn't see, I didn't see what's happening to us here. And then that's what makes me think of the divide even more that like, I read this article in the New York times where it was, um, this girl, she was like, ah, when I'm going to Twitter every day to go to my job, I have to step over homeless people and like piles of feces. And it's like, when are we going to deal with us? And it was in the New York times. And it was just, I'm sorry, I did a Becky voice, but it was like, we're the we could solve this like how portland solved it there's no human feces on the ground and the questionably housed aren't like wandering the streets in like a cracky heroin haze or whatever the, whatever's going on like why why can't we solve this why are we okay with like yeah. huge amounts of human feces yeah so what it is it's just like and especially that's that's so my area they're calling it you know you know, or Twitter, and, and that is, I, I totally get it. I feel like it is very amplified. It is a problem. I'm not saying it is yeah. a problem, because it definitely is a problem, but it is amplified because we're so 
tech savvy here mm. that it's just the second that something happens it's on social media and it's right. like you know like a grass fire of <laughs> of you know so it's uh there's we just need to do something about it you know what i mean just instead of talking about it and complaining about it we need right. we need to make you know what's lemonade, the action you know lots of lemonade well I think the solution is there's only 25 public restrooms in San Francisco. And the majority of them are, like, there's one at 16th and Mission, and there's one at Market Street, and they're, like, these self-cleaning things. And if the city could poke, because it's also a private person that does them. There's a private company. Someone else pays for it. But I'm like, if the city could double that amount, and then if Google could double that amount, so we'd have... 100 bathrooms in the city instead of 25. I think that that would be a start. I mean, I just don't see why we don't provide more public restrooms for people. Like, I, I just, I don't get it. I just, I'm like, why, why do we make it? So you, have to, you have to buy something or you have to, because you can't just walk into a Starbucks anymore. Yeah. They won't let you. They'll be like, they, they got have that a actually code. figured out here. The Safeway does not. The on Safeway does not have it figured out. But the Starbucks in San Francisco have to say, they got it figured out. They have, you have to have code. Yeah, I mean... And you don't get the code unless you buy a cup of coffee. It's pretty. It's pretty simple. Yeah. But then I'm like, well, why can't we... Why can't... Like, isn't that like a human... Like, it's a human thing. Like, everybody... Everybody eats. Everybody poops. Where do... I mean... And then we just turn a blind eye to it. We're like, oh, no, not here. I mean... But then isn't it funny... You're when, onto something. When people pick up their dog shit... Like, I, it's so funny in this neighborhood because you know when it's human feces because no one's picked it up. Because people actually are conscientious about their fucking dogs and they pick it up. <laughs> There's got to be a joke in there somewhere. Yeah, no, I... Yeah, you know what? Write a song about it. About... <laughs> something about... About pooping and dogs. Picking up the dog poop but not the human poop. Picked up my dog poop today. I don't have a toilet to go to. So I'm gonna poop on the street. I'm gonna poop on the street. fly making up songs good stuff yeah my cousin was just a huge influence to me uh, he always made these songs up on the spot oh. I was so I felt like that was almost like it was just so cool I I don't know how he came up with this I'm like these lyrics I'm like where do these come from it's like when you're and that's what's really cool about you know art and especially you know with with music is that you're kind of following the art is through the sound waves right so it's it's really cool and trying to, to collaborate and just like that conversation we just had. I mean, you could just, we can make everything we want to do into a song, basically. Right. I love musical theater. And then we can go and like have house shows and, and busk and um, 
break the whole stereotype. So the thing is really funny, I have to say. Yeah. This is freaking hilarious, at least for me. I've always got to be having fun. I feel like I've always got to, you know, be yeah. enjoying myself. So I thought it'd be funny, actually, last last year, the day after Halloween, to go to um, the Mission District and busk around in a uh, Christmas sweater. Oh. And so it was hilarious. And so I did all... I mean, so if somebody's wearing a Christmas sweater the day after Halloween and walking around the Mission District, yeah. playing stuff, it's just like... Who is that? You know what I mean? Like, what's going on here? You know, yeah. there's something a little... So, it was hilarious. I was at Casanova Lounge, and uh, we're, you know, sitting down, and, you know, somebody spilt their drink all over my friend. And it was just really just this kind of awkward thing, you know, where it was just... You know when someone pours their drink all over you? It's yeah. like, okay, it's yeah. like, you spilled your whole freaking drink on me. It wasn't right. like like a little, you know, a splash. It was like... This guy it was like, oops, oh, I'm just yeah. like, this is a really kind of a, a, a strange moment. And I had the guitar with me. So I busted out into like some Frank Sinatra. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah. Um, They'll defuse any situation. Strangers in the night. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and um, so it was funny. Christmas you know, sweater. And so I think that, that that's kind of what is. And when I'm saying it was the, the whole thing and how that happened it was like well maybe if i was not wearing a christmas sweater the day after halloween maybe they you know maybe i was dressed a little little more what's the right word conservative I, you know i'm not going to say ever conservative right no because it's yeah that's never <laughs> a conversation um if i was dressed nicer i mean i'm not talking about skinny ties or anything but like if i was dressed a little nicer then would have they basically said hey um we, you can't play. And everyone's like, no, <laughs> well, everyone else is around and they're like chanting. They're like, yeah, this is fucking awesome. Oh, but they wow. don't have a, a, a license. Oh, so that's what it is. It's like, you know, you could, and I'm really, you know, you could get conscious trouble, and I really, you know, about the business yeah. owners here in San Francisco. I just don't want to risk anything like that, but they I don't have an events license in their bar. And then I get you, but but if you you're carrying around a guitar, you could break out in a song. Come on, the world's the world's a stage. There, you know. What did they yeah. tell you to stop? Were they like, you got to stop playing music? It was very. It was nice. You know, I was with a group of people, uh, and so it was just like, oh yeah, stop. I'm just, I'm just like, I think it was just he didn't even think about it. It's like, okay, there's somebody playing guitar, and. and my the bar and he's wearing a christmas sweater and it's november 1st what's right. going on this is kind of weird and then he realized oh wow this maybe this i guess he figured out that i was legit I right mean, i wasn't the one that spilt the drink over everyone right you know i was yeah. the one <laughs> you were the one like keeping the peace and singing frank sinatra yeah strangers in the day <laughs> <laughs> dropping their drinks on you It'll all be okay. <laughs> Someday, when I'm awfully low, when Casanova's closed, <laughs> I, I just... <laughs> They're still alive, though, right? The Casanova... I'm worried about Valencia Street. I mean, the elbow room's gone. Like, it's it the Valencia like room now. It's the Valencia room now. Yeah, so I just was there last night. I thought night. they were going to knock it down and make a big place to live for more rich people what was that about yeah no that's what they're so doing at hemlock they did it um and i was just actually there yesterday it's called the valencia room it's exactly the same it has the same smell when you walk in huh yeah does it just cost the more? same arcade games wow the same you know photo booth it's got everything is ex felt the same they, what happened except for the upstairs oh and i don't know it's um a little bit more basic 
than it was before. I felt like when I was uh, up there, you know, I watched a punk rock show, like the Fleshies. I don't know if you've seen them. They're freaking amazing live. I saw the crowd surf. It was so cool. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was very, um, what's the right word? I think a dive is like an understatement of what the upstairs was. It was... Oh, no, I've been there. I've done... I, I had some great shows up there. That's why I was upset was when the place best. closed. Is One of my biggest coups, I got to do Literary Deathmatch, and I and I won. I won my... I won my... I won my, my thing, and I was like... I performed a, um, a chapter from my book, and I memorized it, because you only get seven minutes on Literary Deathmatch. And the place was stacked with people. This is back when people used to like literature in San Francisco. Now everything's changed. But like, I memorized a chapter and I knew it was exactly seven minutes. Because if you go over seven minutes, they shoot you with a squirt gun. And uh, I beat this guy. And then years later, he was a professor in one of my classes in graduate school. And he remembered me. He's like, you beat me in literary deathmatch. And I was like, yes, I did. (laughs) But it's because I'd memorized it and I like performed it instead of like everyone else just like fucking read their chapter, you know, but I was like, no way. But so like the elbow room is, but, and I, I got to do, I made it to the semifinals of the, um, sexy, um, guitar, uh, air guitar finals, the air guitar dancing finals. And I did that there and that was super fun. And there's another show I did. I must have done something else. But I love that. I'm that so grateful that it's there still. I was, like you said, I was concerned that they were going to turn it into, you know, uh, an apartment complex. Yeah. So I was relieved, even though I was bummed. So they moved, actually, Elbow Room to Jack London Square. I've been there. It's much smaller. I have not been there yet. And so I'm, you know, I just... It's cool, actually. The Elbow Room, and what I really liked about Elbow Room, and I know, you know, a lot of people that listen, you know, listen in, is it felt it was the closest thing... The, you know, CBGBs besides vendors. Sure. It was like this, this kind of rock and like rock and roll venue. It had yeah. this really kind of, I don't know. I it just, was big too. That the new elbow room in Jack London Square is like a third of the size of the upstairs area. Like it feels sort of the same, but it's just like you can maybe fit like sixty people in there standing. It's that small. It's not. Yeah. It's not like it was before. Like where, like you hey, could you know, fit 120 people up there. Stand. That's what I'm saying. You go there. You know, get 60 people in there, and then go to a house show afterwards. Right. Yeah. You got to, Yeah. Um. So, I I love your stuff. Play another song for us. Yeah. So You're you here. know. And um, we have to remind everybody that Hotel Utah on Sunday at six o'clock. Do they pay? Do they have to pay, or do they just give you um, tips? There is a ten dollar cover. Oh, there you um, go. Right. But it's it's yeah it's uh. It's totally worth it. Yeah. The, Who yeah. are you playing with? Just you? I'm playing with uh, Kevin North, Adrian West, Rest, uh, sorry, West, and Rob, W-R-O-B. All very talented, great lineup. Uh, Rob is going to be hosting, which I'm excited about that. We're going to be raffling off um, some can, some tracksuit and, and some candies. It's going to be really... A tracksuit? <laughs> yeah, I know. That's very fun. We want to encourage people to be, you know active yeah um but hotel utah six o'clock ten dollars also uh the, the they have a really good drink special it's like a shot and a beer for eight bucks so make that three boiler makers please yeah <laughs> you can't go wrong in hotel utah it's a cool place yeah so um so gosh we have something i was just saying is we have a community of people right? there's really just and you got you know athletes artists and 
you know, the, the Golden State Warriors, you know, uh, especially being like a Bay Area native for me, it's just such a surreal thing. And what, you know, they've done uh, for the community, you know, uh, and the players on the team and and just um, setting a great example for, you know, the, the future generations, uh, how humble and, and um, it's just, uh, it's been a great thing. So this song is, um, I wrote as a, it's my Golden State Warriors song. And it's oh my about- God, I love you. I love the Warriors. You have a Golden State Warriors song. Yeah. So, um, so what it is, is it basically, yeah, it's about being a musician and it all happened to, yeah. I'm so excited. Here it goes. Cause I'm busking out in the city I wake up, I stroll outside People think I'm sophisticated and witty I'm a chick with a trick I'm a man with a plan That's me all my friends from East Coast to Japan I'm talking about Tokyo Tokyo, Japan so I miss your social media call I miss that call cause I was on the court Playing basketball I spiked it so hard you think I was 7 foot tall They try to win, they can't We didn't even have Kevin Durant That's me on my Amigos 2 Flood Splash Golden Blue I don't see you too much cause I'm busting Out in the city Wake up, I stroll outside, people think I'm so sophisticated. So I saw you at Bazaar last night, it was very nice. Everyone's huddled outside and having a good time. I swooped in the door, we had a couple of cheers. I walked down the street, I haven't felt this way in years. I don't see you too much, cause I'm busking out in the city. I wake up, I stroll outside, people think I'm so pretty. You're really pretty too. Finest breakfast entree of them all. You're really pretty, pretty. The finest chickapino of them all. I'm a chick with a trick. A chickapino. I'm a chick with a trick. A chickapino. So I miss your social media call I miss that call cause it's on the court Playing basketball Warriors! Warriors come out to play! They're gonna, Tomorrow, that's gonna they're be They're gonna murder the Raptors They're just gonna wipe the floor with them I don't even know if Kevin Durant's playing or not I don't think they need him I, I don't think they need him. I have, a, I have a joke about the Golden State Warriors, too. It goes like this. It goes, you know, we live in a Golden State. 
I don't know if you've tried that uh, new restaurant. Um, it's called the Bandwagon. It's it's in it's in Oakland. Uh, I went there and I got a green curry in a clay bogut. Wait, where is that? I know. <laughs> no, I'm taking a joke. It's delicious. a place called the Bandwagon. But the green curry in a play, clay bogut. I put all the names together and I was like, look, I'm a genius. Um, I used to have a longer joke, but with more names in it, like. Um, I had to rush to my cur, so I didn't splash all over my Iguodala. I was, anyways. It's just the names of people on the Warriors. I'm very excited. They're gonna, they're gonna murder. They're just them. such a brilliant, amazing team. It's and crazy. Just, uh, it's just students. You know, we have a great community here, and you know, we're we're bigger than the machine. You know, we're. Are we? I think so. You think? Mm-hmm. I mean. Do you feel the jaws of the machine clamping down or you're just, you're like, I see it as a, like you said earlier, you see it as a challenge. You don't, you don't ever feel like I've ever, I've been having conversations with people on the back patio of Bender's 806 self yes. where they felt like, like there's a general anxiety that they're dealing with now. Like people are having antidepressants more than ever before. Like people are being like, just, there's just this general level of stress because of what's happening in our nation. Like, I think that it's really affecting people like that. I I feel it. Like, I feel like there's this big, crazy weight of scariness of like racism and misogyny and homophobia and transphobia and like ageism and sizeism and sexism it's like all of the isms are like coming at once i had a really you know interesting you know growing up uh when i was in kindergarten i think they had um a parent teacher meeting with all the the parents of all the the students in the class and they said basically to have this conversation with your your kid because the you know Gosh, 90s were so weird. People were really homophobic in the 90s. So homophobic. So what it was is that I had the conversation with my mom. My mom had the conversation with me. It's like, hey, you know, JW, you know. Don't be gay. (laughs) No, she didn't actually. She didn't. She said um, she was, um, hey, JW, you know, regardless if you like girls or if you like boys, I love, we love you no matter what. And, um. At that point, it was really interesting, you know, in that public school system that I went to, that they they did that. And uh, at that point, after that, I didn't really identify myself with being a a man or a woman or a girl or boy. I identified myself as being a person, which was really, you know, strange. So that's where the whole Chicopino comes from. But anyways, yeah. Sure. Well, I was thinking, I'm Chicopino. I just figured, I was like, are you part Filipino or something? Like, what's... Who's yeah, it sounds like an Italian dish. Someone said the other day, I'm yeah, like that. It's Chipino. Very Italian the... mob. Not really. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Um, where, where, where does Chicopino come from? Yeah, so it's a, a term that my cousin and I uh, came up with. And so what it is and what it is for me, I never identified myself as being a boy or girl or a man or a woman. I identified myself as being a person. Right. And so I feel like, you know, Chick is one of those slang words, you know, you know, and Pino is just this kind of added on thing. And so what it, we did, and we just invented the word was, um, the urban dictionary, Chicopino is, um, it means it's somebody that doesn't identify with being a man or a woman or a boy or girl. It's right on. Somebody, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, it would be, I mean, my life would have been very different if I wasn't gendered, um, 
and forced into the gender roles that I was as a child because like it's like that Cheryl, um, that lean in book by the Cheryl lady who was the Facebook lady. And she says that if only when I was little, people would have said I had good leadership skills instead of calling me bossy. And like, when I read that, I was like, oh, wow, because little That's girls, so true. little girls aren't supposed to be bossy. Little boys aren't bossy. They're have leadership skills or they're a boss, but little girls, when they have opinions are bossy. And they told, they were always, there was always the message of like, just, just sit there look pretty and look pleasant. Like it was, a, it was like a trope from my childhood is can't you just not talk and look pleasant? And it was like, so my appearance, my entire, everything is based on my appearance. Like everything is, it has nothing to do with what I think. It has nothing to do with how I act. The acting is shut up and be a pretty girl. Like that was the message that I got. Oh my gosh, well, it's, cool. you know, it's misogyny. It's fine. I mean, yeah. it's not like, it's not like I'm, I mean, I feel terrible for my friends who had to come out of the closet or had to be like that their gender was that they decided. I mean, I would have loved to be a boy. I mean, I oh, would have been so good. Like if I could have been a boy, Oh, Oh, I felt like life would be so much easier. And maybe that's just from the girl perspective being like, I don't know. It would have been easier if I was a boy, but I always felt like boys had it so easy. Like people listen to them girls. When, when you're a boy, or a man and you make a decision, people do it. When you're a lady, they form a committee. <laughs> They're like, let's talk about this decision you made. And it's like, that's not cool. It, well, it just, it I'm is very what naive it is. to that. And I'm, you know, that's, I was, um, my mom, you know, my mom, uh, ran a daycare. Oh, and so cool. that's how she was able to stay home with us. And that's where I got my entrepreneurial spirit from. I was, yeah. yeah, it's really, it's, um, and I remember gosh, just being a little kid and a little brother walking down the street and it was very, I felt, I mean, we'd walk by my mom, you know, was a looker or she still is. <laughs> right um, well, when she's in her fifties, but yeah, and she looked, she's great. Uh, so we would walk by and got the people, she would get cat called. And I just, uh, uh, what? and I'm just like, I remember walking me a little kid, maybe like, and try and walking behind her. So wow. the people or the, they couldn't see her, her butt when they walk, when we walked by, like, would walk, block her. Oh, yeah. what yeah. a son. I know, yeah. So I, I, there's so much of that that I just, I, I wow. I just, um, you I'm, witnessed your mom getting catcalled. Wow. I yeah. never even thought like who catcalls a lady with kids. That's crazy. Yeah, I know it wasn't cool. I was deeply affected by that. Yeah. Well, I live in the Tenderloin, and I don't know if it's catcalling or complimenting sometimes because I walked by a dude and he said. Uh, Girl, you've been living a long time to look 22. That's, hey, that's a compliment. That's charming. That's a compliment. I'm like, what's the line? What were the like, cross streets, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, it was um, McAllister and J Jones. Oh, nice. And I was coming down to get on the nine bus down there at the bottom of that. And uh, I was like, that, that was really cheeky. That was good. And another one I got was... Um, you got a nice fit on today. And I was like, thank you. Like nice. I get that. I have an outfit. I am fit. It's like a double entendre on the street. I was like, that's a compliment. That's fine. But then a guy rolled by the other day in a car and yelled out the window. Like, do you need directions anywhere? And I was like, or he was asking me, 
he was asking me like something, but I was like, you're yelling at me out your window. Like what? I felt like that was cat calling. Cause I was like, why are you yelling at me out your window? Like, what do you feel? I don't know. It felt maybe cause he was in a car. It felt like impersonal. Like, but, Oh my gosh. I, I, I remember it was, I actually really enjoyed, um, being a kid. We used to, um, yell at people out the window. Now that was fun. I mean, you're on the freeway and you're like, yeah, but you know, you're in the East Bay when you're in the East Bay and you're all sort of, it's, it's something, you know, in San Francisco, it's a whole different thing. You got someone yelling at you. You don't look. Oh, you know? right, 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 right. Cause but people are crazy on the street. Yeah. I remember just yelling at people <laughs> like, excuse me, sir. I got the window and then they get, you get them to look and then they look back. No, not you, sir. You, sir. Excuse oh. me. <laughs> It was just freaking whole. It was just so fun. For whatever reason, I always really enjoyed that. You know, there was a vocalist of this band, and she, um, I was like, gosh, you know, we got to get your road rage on. I feel like that's, like, vocally, that's kind of where I, I, that kind of came from. Sure. Because you're just like, you yelling, you know, and it's just all for fun, you know. It's just like, ah. But, um. And you can tell the difference, I guess. I mean, in L.A., though, you can't yell at people out your car. I mean, they might pull a gun on you like what are you gonna yeah. <laughs> like you can't road rage is real i mean or i don't know but if they're kids you hear a kid's voice that's cute i don't know do you still drive i do yeah you live in the city i do i live in Burnalwood. yeah oh wow that's nice i love Burnal up there Burnal's the best Burnal's the best neighborhood because you they only have street sweeping every other week like, there's such good parking in Bernal. It's crazy. It's like street sweeping every second Thursday or something. And it's like, what? And there's, I, I babysit for some people up there and I've noticed the parking signs. I'm like, why do they only have street sweeping once every two weeks? What is this magical place? Yeah. Bernal Heights. It's really fun too. And they have, you know, like um, the knockout. Oh, yeah. And they have. You know, they, that's Wild a really Side fun West. Do you like that place? I do. That's one of my top favorites. I like because you know, if you want to get, a, you know, some fresh air, they have a the back pattern. The back, this yeah. 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 It's a, uh, it's a cool street that court. They're keeping it. And you know what I'm impressed about Bernal is that they decided when the city was first growing in like 1908 and like 1912 and shit like that, they're like, we're not going to build on top of this hill. And they said, no. And it was like the community of Bernal that said, we're not ever going to build up here. And they're the ones that keep it. And look at that beautiful. It's great. Like, yay. There's still a mountaintop without houses on it. Yay. But people look at it and they must be like, why are they building up there? But it's the people of Bernal Heights that are like, never. So good on you. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, it's really great. I mean, I like going for that walk up the top, to the top of the hill. It's a, and then also, you know, you got the 14 and the 49. You could jump out there. You could be, you know, Ghirardelli Square or the Ferry Building. Like, yeah. it comes every three minutes. And so I did live in the Tenderloin before, uh, um, before I moved out there. And I thought it was, it was on Geary and Polk Street. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, that, they're trying to I'm call. Geary and Leavenworth, so I'm oh, nice. super close to the Yeah. Were you in the Rex Arms? <laughs> I was actually um, at this place called The President. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. The Rex Arms is on the corner there. One of my buddies lived there. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, I really liked it. I, I have it at the top floor of this building. Um, it had a, a skyline view. Wow. I remember because I'm always, always about, it was about the view. You know, I was like, man, this is so cool. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so I thought that I would miss living downtown when I moved out to Bertle Heights. I was a little bit concerned. I am a logical thinker. Um, and, it, you know, I was able to park my car. It was easier to park my car. And then you got, you know, Glen Park and you got 24th Street Bar Station right there. Yeah. Being, I could be downtown faster than would if I were to walk from Uri and Polk Street to downtown sure. on Barn. Yeah. And not have to jump over, you know, the problem that we need it, you know. Right, yeah. Geary's not so bad because um, crackheads don't like to walk uphill. So, like, it usually rolls down. I mean, I've been at Geary and Leavenworth for 12 years now. 12. A long time. And it's I love desert. it. Yeah, I, I fucking love it. Like, but I, I'll never leave because I... I'm under rent control, and so I can't. If I ever left my apartment, I'd have to leave San Francisco for good. I couldn't afford it here anymore. There's just no way. Yeah, no, so that's a really interesting thing to be. So I'd be curious to kind of, you know, round up, you know, group people. And because it is so expensive to live here, but I feel like at the same time, that's why when you're paying that much to live, it's like you work that much more, which is good and bad i mean like the quality of your life i don't know i always enjoyed working mm. but um yeah i'd be curious to kind of just see you know when you're paying forty two hundred dollars to, to live somewhere like is that's crazy i know and the rents it's, that's that's pretty normal right now like even moving into the tenderloin it's cost like three thousand for a studio that's what's happening right now and it's like in the tenderloin you're paying three thousand dollars a month for a studio, I, it's just kind of mind-boggling to me. Yeah, so it's uh, it's really interesting what's happening. And like I said, I anything negative I look at it as a challenge. The real estate market is, you know, that's a, you know, the homeowners here. It doesn't make sense for them to, to sell because if they sell it, you know, if you you can't walk away. I feel like for me, it's got to be a good business, you know, investment yeah. or a good investment in general. Right. That you know, if I buy a place, that if I you know wanted to go on. Yeah, basically, I feel like if you should be able to rent it out and it should pay for itself. Right. It's like impossible when the houses are 1.5 million in just a yeah. regular neighborhood. Like what? Yeah. So that's what it was. Is you know, I met I met someone. Uh, one of my neighbors bought this house down the street for 1.6 million. Him and his wife and kid. You know, they put a $500,000 down payment on what? the place. And their mortgage was in homeowners insurance is still six thousand dollars. And I'm uh, saying, like that's that's insane. I mean, that's insane. It was a two bedroom, one bath. What? But for me, I mean, like, gosh, if you were to, to walk away from that, or you were to you know step out and be like, hey, I want to rent this rent this place out, you'd have to rent it out for six thousand dollars for it to pay for itself, or you'd have to take you have to rent it out for less and be paying on right. Yeah, so it just doesn't make logical sense. It doesn't make logical sense. Well, in this city, you either have to be really, really poor or really, really rich. In that I make about I make sixteen thousand dollars a year because if I there's a there's a gap. Like if I make sixteen thousand dollars a year, I get food stamps and I get free health care. I get all kinds of wonderful things. But if there's this weird gap that the only way to to make it worth not being poor is to make be rich. It's like I'd have to make $42,000 a year to live the same lifestyle I'm living. But if I had to say pay for my own insurance and pay for all of these kinds of like lifestyle, I don't have a car, so that's easier. But if I had a car and I mean, the only way to have a car and live in the city and have health care and eat is if you make over $42,000 a year, you have to, or 
you just slip to the bottom end and like, I'm an artist. I make nothing. Look, take care of me. But then it's like, don't, do we, do we just not value art as labor? Do we just say that entertainment is labor that you enjoy so you don't get paid for it? It's like, I kind of feel like it's sort of a fuck you to be like, how come this thing I do that's, I think art is labor. I think that when you create something, that's labor. It takes work and time. And what is that time worth? And why is sometime when you write a song, like, I, it's great that you stand on a stage and people are going to value you and, and listen, but like, you're an artist. Why can't you just be paid to be an artist? Yeah, I know. And some other countries are like that. I'm not, you know, an expert. Um, I know, in, you know, some other countries, you know, France and, you know, it's, um, that's a really big thing. And, you know, maybe that's, you know, we have a lot of challenges that we face as a, as a, um, democracy. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I feel like that's what we're really missing is the art, you know, and that's what it was, you know, you know, you got the sixties and it was really big, obviously here in San Francisco where they imagine this, this world, this better world, um, through their art. And I feel like it almost became that, you know, what you imagine I mean, with the Beatles and with, yeah. the, you know, all these big bands of stones and, you know, it's just, I have to ask you, are you Beatles or stones? I gotta go Beatles. Me yeah. too. I feel like I am a Beatles guy trapped in a Rolling Stones world walking down in these streets. Fair gonna, enough. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I don't know. The Beatles wrote such great songs. I mean, the Stones did too, but like, I just kind of have a problem with Mick Jagger as a person. I mean, I like to make fun of him. I like to like walk, I like to do like his little walk. But and Keith Richards, like, is that guy still alive? Like, how are they doing? How are they keeping that man alive? Like, is it the drugs just pickled his body and he's going to live forever? Is he getting, like, infusions of baby blood? Like, how is he staying alive? I don't know. I thought it was hilarious is that um, someone was saying this uh, uh, the other day that um, as an, you know, an actor and, and not me, but Jack Nicholson and, and, and Keith Richards in the same room together that Keith Richards is the one, is the guy that says, hey, you know what, Jack, I've had enough. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. I, I mean, all those. I mean, I can't believe their hearts haven't exploded from all the cocaine. Look at poor John Ritter. When John Ritter died, everyone was like, oh, it's so young. And for him to have a heart attack and his heart to explode like that or whatever. And I'm like, dude, he did so much cocaine in night, from eight, 70, 77 to 84. Are you fucking kidding me? You don't think he was high as fuck? during all those three's companies like he yeah. was you watch that thing same thing with fucking um mork and mindy you watch that and it's like robin williams was clearly high out of his motherfucking mind they all were in the yeah, early you know what I, I, I bet you it was snowing every day every day it was snowing in colorado on the set of mork and mindy <laughs> i mean he was i i watch those shows now and i'm just like everyone was on cocaine wow wow I can't do those rock star drugs anymore. I'm too old. Um, you know, the, the one time a truck driver is a rock star when he's hauling oats. You need to open your set with that. You got it. That is a hilarious joke. That is great. That is hilarious. Uh, we're my uncle's a truck driver. Oh, he wow. Everything too. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that stuff is 
I could never, I, the only truck driving experience I ever had was in 2003, I drove the truck back from Burning Man. And so I drove this huge rider truck back from Burning Man. And I drove for like 23 hours and I thought I was going to lose my mind. And I was crazy. I wouldn't give it up. But too, I was like, I'm going to finish this trip. Nobody else is driving this truck. I'm going to finish. I mean, and I was losing my fucking mind. Yeah. Uh, we're rolling up to the end of the show. Uh, I'm with J.W. Blunt, who's playing this Sunday at Hotel Utah. It's only $10. You really should go to the show. Six o'clock. Do you want to play one more song for us? Sure, yeah. Take you back to the future. Everyone and everything is a beautiful creature. Take you back to the future. Everyone and everything is a beautiful creature. Alejandra, 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 Alejandra. They're not making more land. We're not getting any younger. Every day is the first day of summer. Alejandra, 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 Alejandra. She's chilling like Bob Dylan, like a match on a cash. She's just a man with six strings attached. She's just a man. She's just a man. Woo man, woo man. Alejandra, Ale, Adele. Alejandra, Ale, Adele. I take it back to the future. Everyone and everything is a beautiful creature. Velvet Cantina. Latin America Club. I take the muni back to the real Sam Pontius. Uh huh. Alejandra, Ale, Adele. Alejandra, Ale, Andale. I'll take you back to the future. Everyone and everything is a beautiful creature. I'll take you back to the future. Everyone and everything is a beautiful creature. In the summer wind. June 2nd at 6 p.m. Bring your friend or a date. Bring your dog. Bring your mom. 6 o'clock. Sunday. Yeah, I felt like that was a song about the time traveling tamale lady. That was great. Like, if I ever make the time traveling tamale lady uh, sketch, I gotta use your song as the as the fucking like theme song. You said it sounds like a good. Actually, it sounds like an amazing theme song for anything. Like. You're a good song. You're, I can't wait for Sunday. It's very Mission District, huh? Yeah, I know. You talked about the Latin. Did the Latin America Club close? No, it's still there oh, on 22nd. Yeah, so Velvet Cantina is another place. Latin America Club. Cross street from the makeout room. Yeah, that's a great spot, too. It's a great place to perform, too. Don't they? They do, they do like, that's like a good venue for uh, singer-songwriters and stuff like that. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, it's uh, it's come together. We did, We yeah. I, um, you know, I had a friend, you know, uh, play a show there recently. It's a it's a great venue. Um, there's a, there's definitely a lot going on. I just feel like a lot of 
folks, you know, are really kind of on their phone. But I think we just got to get out there on the street, you know. Yeah. And I, it's fun. So. Well, someone hopefully will tape you on Sunday at Hotel Utah at six o'clock, and then you can put it on YouTube, and then, yeah. <laughs> and then everyone can watch you, and or, but they should go and see it live in person. So, this has been a super fun time. And I thank you so much. Again, this has been J.W. Blunt on Some Call Me Tim. I'm Pam. I'll see you guys next week. Yay. Without a patter, we'll gather around me sea dogs and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutiny Radio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it. Or I ain't scurvy shit face McRat. <laughs> My friends out at Mutiny Radio. Chester Cashcock here, giving you my love and regards as well as Moofy's over there. And you know, anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Bamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10. They have a fun time at Pamtastics Deep in the Mission, where you can laugh off your tushy every Friday for a mere $10. And $10, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with, so to wipe it off for is <laughs> in duty this. And if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, don't worry, don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer cottage on the mountain ridge with the kayaks. <laughs> Just go to podcast.pcrcollective.org or mutinyradio.fm podcasts and look for Comedy Clubhouse with a K. You can download it for free. But we'd love to see you every Friday, 8 to 10, down here at Mutiny Radio. Laugh off your tushy and save your life. Because you know what's better than laughter? Well, it's a cash cock, baby.
I black the last stick. So if you're in your car and you're listening to one radio station, you need a radio station. You're hearing all all the others. They are they are tweeting in on all frequencies, and you keep them. So just listen to to one specific six. Saturday into two. Sound quality, quality, good, and you understand, understand things that's plain, plain. However, however, if your radio, radio is not fine, too, too, you might need two or two or three or more stage, stage at the same time. time. Hey, Mutineers Stolowitz here. Have you ever listened to Labor and Love on Saturday mornings, 10 to noon, with Bill Morgan? It's a really excellent show, one of my favorites here at the station. And it's all about service. It might be the devil, it might be the Lord, but we got to serve somebody. And Bill understands the virtue of service as the heart and soul of the labor movement better than a lot of people I know. And it's one of the reasons I love to listen to him. He breaks down socialism, democracy, protest history, workers' news, and the power of unions. Along with that, he serves up a excellent mix of jazz, Latin, gospel, hip-hop, and traditional folk ballads. Great stuff. Check it out. Labor and Love is every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Serve somebody. Subliminal SF visual and auditory mind control brings you the best, coolest t-shirt and hoodie designs and mind-bending local bands and shows at venues all over San Francisco and the Bay Area. Subliminal SF is here to destroy your sense of normalcy and plant ideas in your skull to make you cooler and a more awesome person. Check out all the badass products at subliminalsf.myshopify.com. That's subliminalsf.myshopify.com. And experience Subliminal SF. Yeah. 
Welcome. Bender's Bar and Grill, located at 806 South Van Ness in the Mission District of San Francisco. Your favorite bar with awesome bartenders, rotating local art, and a killer back patio. It's a great place to hang out and play one of their two pool tables or old school pinball machine with a tasty adult beverage. Live music every Saturday for only $5. Bender's brings you face-melting metal and rock and roll. The last Friday of the month, punk rock and schlock delivers super fun karaoke with Aileen. Come on, what's not to like? They even have counter-offer inside, frying up the tots with sexy hot burgers for your face. Open every day at 2 p.m. Their happy hour goes till 7 p.m. Bender's is proud to be a sponsor of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival because they're an awesome community asset to the dirtbags who keep art alive in the mission. Bender's Bar and Grill. This is Tusha Matters with Mutiny Radio. Big up to the number one station that rule the nation. Give it to me every time. Ah! Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shit. From time to time, I've given it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl! Are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. Some call me Tim. Is the show second in a row with your host from Black Black Classic giving you uh, belief in faith-based sounds.
I was on the mountain, wandering from the fountain, when I heard my Savior speak to me.
one whom your majesties are seeking? Began to peek out on the green fields, 
astonishment lay in their animal eyes. Here and there the sheep went out after their leaders without waiting for the command. And so it happened that when the shepherds came out after their sheep, they found other shepherds grazing their flocks in the green meadows of the valleys and up on the hillocks. It was as, as though the whole hillside had been transformed into a peculiar time that was neither day nor night. The strange brightness descending from the radiant stars was a light neither like the sun nor like the moon. It was as if the heavens were covered with a shimmering gleam of pearl. The bright stars wandered on the milky roads of the heavens like strangers coming from a distant universe. And there were among them stars whose shapes had never been seen before by human eyes. These came from a mysterious place where God kept hidden the light which was now to shine when the Messiah came to the earth. A quietness came over the world. It was as if the days of the lost paradise had been renewed. Soundlessly the sheep moved unto the hills. Many, many flocks from all the surrounding meadow ascended until they covered the whole hillside with their woolly, thick white coats gleaming under the bright light of the stars. So the shepherds too gathered together. Among them were those who came from distant places and had not seen each other for a long, long time. When they recognized one another, an outstanding gladness fell over them. They greeted each other with kisses and embracing. Dear brothers, blessed be your coming among our pastures. How is it you travel such distance with your flocks? And what is the purpose for your coming? Well, we too were guided by these stars which shine over your hills. Never have we seen such a shining light in the heavens before. A very great thing must be happening here in your pastures, and we have come to learn what it is. When they said this, a great joy overcame them for this thing which had surely happened, and at the same time a great trembling in expectation of something strange and ethereal which the stars had summoned them to witness. While they remained quivering in anticipation of what might happen any moment, they saw an angel of God shoot out from the stars and descend toward them. He was in the form of a man of giant-like appearance with strong heavenly wings. In a flash he was standing before them, and the shepherds with shaking bodies fell on their faces to the earth, for they were sore afraid now. The angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. When the angel spoke to the shepherds, a multitude of the heavenly host burst from the heavens and filled the air with a song which was heard from one end of the world to the other. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward man. A serenity filled the air as if creation had fulfilled the mission to which God had assigned it on the first day. 
harmonious fulfillment of the day of paradise had renewed itself on the earth. As the angels were going away from them into the heavens, the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto us. And they went under the guidance of the stars. And they came unto the door of the dwelling into which Joseph had brought Mary. And they found the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. His young mother was lying near him on the sheepskin which the shepherds had provided for her. The wife of the shepherd was sitting near her and comforting the mother and child with milk and honey to strengthen them. The beasts brought in from the chill of night were still with them about the manger, and they licked the mother and child with their warm, moist tongues as they would do to their own newborn. Joseph, with the shepherd host, was attending them and preparing all necessary things. And it happened that when the shepherd visitors came in and saw the babe in the manger, with the Spirit of God shining from his face, they said to one another, No one except the Savior, which is Christ the Lord, was born here today to the house of Israel in Bethlehem, in the city of David, even as the prophets have prophesied. Blessed be God Almighty in heaven, for he has fulfilled the promise which he gave unto our fathers, the promise of a Redeemer for Israel, a Savior for mankind, and a Messiah for the world. And they fell on their knees before the manger and spread out their arms to the child and cried, Blessed be the fulfillment. When the inhabitants of the dwelling heard of the proclamation of the shepherds, they also fell before the cradle and called, Blessed be the fulfillment. Only the young mother of the child bathed her face with her own tears out of pure joy and pondered all these things in her heart. And a gladness and a joy befell all those who were with the child. And they repeated the words of the angel in song. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and good will toward men. The shepherds left then and went toward Bethlehem, the city, to bring to the people the good tidings concerning these things that had happened to them in the pastures, and to proclaim to them the glory of God which they had seen in the child who lay in the manger. I 
patients. Families get together, have a good time. But that's nothing to be compared with that reunion. memories. Trust it will be a blessing to you. See? 